Hello and welcome back to 10 Questions. This week's guest is arguably Australia's most popular comedian over the past 25 years. He's played to packed houses all over the country for years. He's hosted radio shows on Nova, Kiss and now Today FM. TV shows he's either hosted or been a regular on include Husey, We Have a Problem, The Project, Before the Game and of course ABC's The Glass House. I speak of Dave Hughes. Over the course of our chat, he talks about the importance of living in the moment, the occasional regret of not giving America a proper shot, sobriety, and I pick out some of my favourite moments from his comedy canon. We have bonus content for Patreon subscribers where Hughes and I list and discuss our three favourite comedy films of all time, and he talks about hanging out with Will Ferrell at the tennis. You can get that at 10 Questions with Adam Zwar on Patreon. And as usual, I start our chat by asking Husey when he was most happy. Uh, yeah, it's a great question and it's a, it's a hard one to answer, you know. I Look, I only get all soppy and I remember driving to the airport one day after I'd just met my now wife and I thought, you know what, I reckon I've met the one. You know, I remember a wow. feeling of joy on the Tullamarine Freeway. Oh, it wow. would have been back in 2002. So, yeah, or 20 years ago, right? It was a, a sense of, oh, I think maybe I'm onto something here. So, yeah, and we're still together 20 years later, Adam. So, uh, <laughs> I'll have to. How I'm, old were you? How old I was, were you? I was 31. She was 22. So, yeah. And, uh, yeah, 20 years later, here we are. That's fantastic. So I remember her as a cadet at yes, the Herald Sun. Of course, mate. Yes. I mean, it was feel like everyone's worked at the Herald Sun. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, it would have been about that time, just before then, mate. So she she got the cadetship just after we started going out. Oh, so, gotcha. yeah. She was gotcha. a, a reporter at a local newspaper when I met her. So yeah, at the um I think the Essendon Times or something like that, whatever that was that in that area of, of Melbourne. Mm. And how did you guys meet? Did you meet at a gig? No, we met at a, a bar. Um, it was a Friday night. I was uh, I'd been single for about oh, six or eight months, you know, and I was well known at that time, and so I was yeah. enjoying that what that brought to my uh, single life. And um, yeah, so Friday night, I was out with some mates, and uh, we had a bar, and uh, some blokes came up to me to say g'day, and uh, you know, because they knew they recognised me, and then there was this. Uh, beautiful girl looking over their shoulders who happened to be out with this group of guys this night. And it was, it was my now wife. So we started wow. chatting and uh, yeah, from, from that night, actually that night is, I was told the story a number of times, but uh, I was with some, my mate said, we're going to another bar and I was talking to Holly. So I thought, well, I'm not going anywhere. And her friend said, they're going to another bar. And she said, she's not going anywhere. She said, she's going to stay as well. So it was all worked out. We're just going to be alone. And then a, a mate of mine called CJ didn't have any money. And uh, he's like, I, I, and I'd given him a lift in. I didn't drink and I'd give still don't, but I'd given him a lift into this bar and we live near, nearby each other. And he said, I don't know, I, 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 I can't get home because I don't have any money. I'm like, mate, walk, you know what I mean? <laughs> but, um, and he's like, I eventually started, I'll get you some money. We walked down the ATM and my now wife walked with us and she started chatting to him. And I thought, oh God, is she, she going to bloody, is he going to make a move on her? So I eventually just got annoyed at that situation and drove him home and yelled at him on the way home, saying, mate, you really have stitched me up there. I would thought I was in there and you've bloody got in the way. And uh, I talked about that on radio uh, on the Monday and um, and uh, I think a friends of hers were listening and they, and they rang her, maybe the guys that were there, and said, this guy's talking about you. And she rang the radio station and, um, yeah. 
Wow. And then, yeah, so we uh, started going out after that, basically. I invited to an IMAX film, which I'd had free tickets to, and uh, we went, and once we had to put helmets on, it was 3D, and you had to put helmets yeah. on a space movie. But um, <laughs> anyway, we started from there, basically, and still together. Hey, there's a lot of people talking about this at the moment. What's sober dating like? It's good. I, I'm a, yeah, I'm a big advocate. No, I, I certainly got, I mean, I, I had a lot more luck sober than I did drunk. So, and I was a really messy drunk though. So that was, uh, yeah, again, I I'm almost 30 years without a drink. So, um, that's brilliant, mate. Yeah. Well, look, yeah. I, I remember once I was, you know, just on what I was like drinking, why I couldn't pick up when I was drinking. I was, uh, once I was selling, um, Bart Simpson dolls at the, uh, local show in Warrnambool, my hometown, so I kind of, you know, there's uh, the, the annual show and I was, uh, you raffle tickets to, to win a Bart Simpson doll and a, and a young woman came up to me and I was young at the time as well. And she, I was probably 19 or whatever, 20 maybe. And she said, oh, you can talk. I said, what do you, what do you mean? She said, I see you out every weekend and you've never got the ability to speak. I said, what do you mean? She oh. said, you can't even, and I had to get that drunk <laughs> that I couldn't even talk and I'd yeah. just be standing in the corner without, yeah, mute. So I yeah, <laughs> wonder I never picked up. I know those guys. I remember that, you know, the, the guys that kind of went mute. Yeah. Yeah. I was a bit of, I went to, I talked too much. So I just like, ah, yeah. um, I hardly drink at all anymore. Anyway. Um, question two, who would you like to apologize to and why? Oh, uh, look, you know, I'm trying to, I've got a new motto, which is a recent motto of if you live in the moment, you can't hold grudges. So um, look, you know what I, this is, I, I, my, I'm now with the uh, SEA, uh, Osterio sort of radio network, yeah. and my last job was at um, Kiss FM, and uh, yeah, it was a bit of a argy bargy over contracts, and I really got angry at the boss of Kiss FM. Uh, very angry, actually. Um, yeah, so I mean, I'd apologise to him and say. I don't get angry anymore. So, yeah. what was the sea change that make you that made you kind of go? I don't get angry anymore. I'm going to leave that behind. I, I, I you know, I oh, maybe I can't remember exactly why it happened, but it certainly has happened. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm maybe it's when you cop flack on the internet or something. Maybe that's got something oh, yeah. to do with it. Where you know, all of a sudden people are having to go online or whatever. And I don't know if that was it or not, but for whatever reason, I definitely have had a moment where I go, you cannot hold a grudge. You can't live in the moment and hold a grudge. Those two things can't happen because holding a grudge means you're living in the past. So that's right. So no matter whether it's someone yelled at you in the street, you know, five seconds ago, or someone said something mean about you five years ago, if you're, if you're holding a grudge over that, you're not living in the present. So, you know, that's a big thing for me. During the pandemic, Husey's been quite active on Twitter and had a lot of strident feedback to his tweets, but his responses were always restrained. I asked him how he managed to keep sanguine in the face of abuse and whether at a certain point it all just becomes irrelevant. Well, it does, absolutely, and that is a, yeah. I mean, I remember years ago I would, you know, be I was a much more sensitive soul and, you know, if, if, if I had a review which I wasn't happy with, I would hold a grudge against the reviewer Yeah. Uh, or, you know, or even, you know, I, I used to get upset like uh, back in the day before, you know, online commentary when it was just, you know, letters to the editor in the newspaper. <laughs> you know, if someone wrote a nasty letter in the in the uh, the Age Green Guide, I'd, you know, it'd ruin my week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I remember once I was working on radio 
in Melbourne on Nova and um, we had a we had a guy doing a bit of writing for us, which we didn't do very often. But Ray Ray came in one day midway through the show, I don't know, to try to present a sketch or something. I can't remember what he was doing. But uh, he said I, he said to me, he said, Mid, midway through the show, he was like, how about what they said in the paper about you? And I'm like, what did they say? <laughs> and then... And everyone else in the room was like, oh, my God, uh, you know, he hasn't been briefed. And then I, I said, what are they saying? And I can't remember whether it was the bloody, whatever, the entertainment guide of whatever newspaper it was. And, and that had been taken from all the newspapers that morning because they'd seen someone say something nasty oh, about like- me. And I'm like... And I'm like, where, where's the green guide or whatever it was, the entertainment guide? Where is it? And I, I want to see it, you know. And then I saw it and it was like someone said I was shit or something. So, And it did ruin my day. It was like, God, man, such a thin-skinned dickhead, basically. So am I, mate. So am I. Uh, question three, what, what is your greatest regret? Um, oh, look. I, again, I mean, again, we're talking things that you, you know, live in the moments, no regrets. Yeah, but, um, oh, look, I probably, you know, although, you know, you, my life's not over, but, you know, maybe I would have uh, gone, you know, tried to go more international with my comedy back in the, back when I was younger. So, yeah. I mean, I've done some gigs in America and, um, you know, they've gone really well. And, you know, like, you know when you're like, when you get a room like you know the the LA improv and you're like yeah. they're they're laughing hard like they laugh back in Australia like you know and these people have no idea who I am they just think Jesus this guy's funny and that sort of your, your brain starts going oh my god maybe I should have spent more time over here to you know to to build this into something and, and we know many Australians who've gone to America and you know nothing's happened but you know that's probably something that I I would I, I'd say that's a regret. Because I remember, like when I when I was speaking to you on agony, you you're saying, "Oh, I'm, I'm going over to uh, America, and you're gonna do you you're gonna do Montreal, and then you're gonna go to LA." So that was it, and it went well. I'm really glad. Yeah, I've done Montreal a number of times, and it's always gone well. I mean, not every gig goes well, obviously, but um, yeah, but yeah, I've had those moments where you go, especially in LA, where they really laugh hard, That's you know, and, you get, and it's like shit. <laughs> but you know, funny on that though, I remember once I did a gig in it. It might have been about that time, but I did a gig in LA, the improv in LA, and it went really well. And it was like, I I'd never do this, but for some reason my mother had emailed me, and I emailed back saying I just did a really good gig in, in LA. You know, I never bragged to my mum or anything. I I had, and then and she wrote back, uh, "Your brother told me he didn't get paid for it." So I'm like, <laughs> oh, come on, mum, give me a moment. <laughs> like, oh, so I was like, yeah, all right, all right, mum. All right, you win this round, or my brother wins this round. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you don't get much of a break, do you? You know, it's like you probably get 15 minutes of happiness. Um, who, uh, what would you still need to do to feel you've lived a satisfactory life? I, look, I mean, I'm going to start every, I think, answer with the caveat of uh, now is all we've got, now we'll all, we'll, yeah, is yeah. all we'll ever have. And I really am trying to zen it out so that this is it and, uh, and every moment is every moment is a miracle. So I don't think I have to do anything else to live a satisfactory life. I think, I honestly think that uh, the realisation that, that, that every moment is all you need is, is something that is um, going to mean I live a satisfactory life. And I'm trying, practising on a daily basis to, to, to go by that, you know, so, and to try to make every day more present than the day before, you know, not that I want right. to think about the day before, but just that, uh, yeah, this is it now. That's great because you're a meditator too, aren't you? 
I do, yeah, absolutely. So I do breakfast radio at the moment in Sydney on Two Day FM, but um, but on weekends I get up. First thing I do during the week, I don't do it because I don't want to cost myself twenty minutes of sleep. But yeah, that yeah. first thing on the weekends, first thing you get up and just stare at a wall for twenty minutes. And you know what? Right. When staring at a wall makes you really happy, you really you know you don't need much to be honest. That's, that's fantastic, mate. <laughs> that's great. Um, question five is: Who is the person who most influenced you? And how? Look, in comedy, I, I was influenced uh, by someone I'd never met. But I remember when I was like 13 or something, I, I, I got a video out from the local video shop and it was Rodney Dangerfield um, wow. who had, uh, he was hosting a night, uh, yeah, involving a, a number of comedians doing five-minute spots and there was people like Jerry Seinfeld on it and Roseanne Barr. I think Tim Allen was on it, um, you know, all well-known names now, but they weren't then. But um, there was one guy on it I'd ne- I hadn't seen before that point. I hadn't really seen any of those others at that point either. This is back in, you know, early 80s. But uh, his name was Sam Kinison. Oh, he's, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, he died really young, died in a car crash when he was very young. But his form of comedy was really taking the piss out of his own situation and, you know, talking about, women leaving him because he was a bad lover and just he got really angry on stage but it was just it felt a truth to it yeah which I really connected with and and you know I think I'd like to think that you know my comedy has sort of followed that path to a degree where you're able to um get the humor out of your own situation and uh yeah and uh, and people hopefully can connect with you being honest so yeah so I think as a as a comedy person Sam Kinison in that one spot really fired my imagination and, and how I wanted to do comedy. Oh, wow, mate. That's fantastic. That's a great reference. Because, and also, you know, you, uh, you got out of the, the alcohol kind of situation, so you didn't have the destructive streak that he did. Yeah, I, I, I stopped drinking before I even started stand-up comedy. I don't reckon I ever would have started. I don't reckon I would have had the mental strength to um, – to get on stage or or to deal with you know no one laughing because it's mm. I mean it's when you first start stand up comedy and and I was wildly inconsistent and uh, some nights I'd be great and other nights I'd just be horrendous and it's like yeah I, yeah to be able to I don't reckon I would have been able to control my emotions enough to uh, to be able to and I don't know how people do it but obviously a lot of people do people people do stand up comedy stoned and drunk yeah. I, just, I, just, I was always too when i was stoned i was always too paranoid to do anything yeah when i was drunk i was too messy and uh, yeah so yeah i was i've been so i've never been on stage not being sober basically or definitely me, me when it comes to acting it's the same with me i can't i literally any anything can throw me off my game i need to be a hundred percent sober and kind of well rested to be honest it, or else yeah. i'm on a, on an axis that i can really tip over into being shit <laughs> you know yeah 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 um the best possible chance yeah yeah and i'm kind of like that too i want to be loyal to my myself you know i don't want to kind mm. of abandon myself um question six is when was the last time you cried and why oh look proper tears it's been a while i reckon so um uh look i actually i'm not a big crier i I, I'm probably getting more emotional. You know, I, the true story is you often cry on planes, and I reckon it's because yeah. of the air. 
It's the air. <laughs> so you watch movies and cry on planes. I, I, I watch play. I watch movies and cry on planes. I'm trying to think of the actual movie it was, but it was definitely on a plane where you're just tearing up. And as I yeah. do, I think it's the atmospheric change that does yeah. it. So, yeah, I've read yeah. something like that. Yeah, I can't remember which movie it was. I'm sorry, I can't. Remember. But yes, but yeah, some movies get me. I, I'll cry. Just like if you don't like a movie on a plane then it's a really bad movie i reckon <laughs> yeah no, no, i've watched a lot of movies on planes and uh, yeah so the movie should give a, a second go to you know so yeah yeah, yeah it's uh, yeah adam sandler movies on planes can really get the job done sometimes so, yeah. yeah don't don't mess with the zohan <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, uh, um we've kind of talked a little bit about this so question seven is what is your current state of mind yeah, look, it's it's pretty good. So, I mean, I've this year I've gone to do breakfast radio on Sydney. So I've gone from a drive show to a, a breakfast show. So, you know, and the Sydney market is is tough. There's no doubt about it. And the two day FM, which is a a, a slot that hasn't worked for a long time, basically. So, mm. you know, I've um, and then when you're tired, because I haven't done breakfast radio for many years now. So we did it back in Nova in Melbourne. Yeah. So I quit that in two thousand. 13 or yeah end of 2013 so i had a year not doing radio full time where i did travel a lot and do stand-up comedy all over the place but yeah from 2015 i bet was doing drive uh first at kiss and then at then at where we are now at sca so yeah so this year the first year back so it's um you know it's tense when the ratings are low and uh you know you're trying to find your way so but yeah i've i've i have absolutely um you know leaned on living in the moment to be honest so um right yeah so it's been good so i'm in a pretty i'm in a good state of mind right now absolutely and, and i i think you're fine when not that i've ever had any issues really and you know i mean obviously i've worked hard over many years and you know i'm as as we've discussed i'm sober so i haven't thrown my money away so yeah 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 i'm not doing it for the money i do it because i love to work yeah so, I, yeah so so, and, you know, I could walk away at any point, but I actually, I really, I love radio and I love comedy, as you know, Adam. So, um, yeah. Yeah. and, and I'm, I'm in. You're a joke. You're, you're a really good joke writer too. It's like, you know, I've spoken to Dave O'Neill about you and he said, you know, that usually an old fashioned joke writer. That's when he's happiest is when he's writing jokes. Yeah. And you know what, you got to remember that as well. So, you know, and often you, you spend time and like anyone can in whatever situation you are and people look at me and would go, well, how the hell, how the fuck could you ever feel sorry for yourself? But you do. We yeah. all feel sorry for ourselves. <laughs> but you know what? Again, yeah, the happiest I am is when I'm writing jokes. And you know what I've started to do every day this year is diarise. And every day I I just say Monday diary, Tuesday diary, Wednesday, and I go through the whole week. So I don't spend any days where I don't write stuff down. It's great, it, it's, it's great for jokes, but it's also great for your mental health to do that. Just to writing stuff down is such a, a great way to um to download basically. And uh, you know, yeah, and it, yeah I, but I really recommend that to anyone. To every day we should write, we should diarize, and you know, I've. There's decades where I can't really remember either, to be honest. Yeah, me too. That's great. And do you read over it? Yeah, I do. Yeah, absolutely. So especially when I'm looking for material. Like, yeah. I'll diarise today and then in the morning, you know, to do a radio show, I'll look at what I did. Yeah, I'll look at the diary from yesterday. And there's always bits. Always bits. 
That's great. That's really mm. great. Um, is it longhand or is it, do you type it? I type it, yeah. yeah I can yeah. touch type, actually. It's one of the few – I was no good at woodwork, so I used to avoid woodwork at school and all those sort of uh, sheet metal and any, any you know, manly, uh, you know, class, basically, because I was just – shit of that stuff but and I, I took up i did the typing so, so did i mate so did i i avoided woodwork for typing i remember thinking a and b and c and yeah i remember it and it was on those old-fashioned typewriters yeah 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 come in handy really oh, totally mate totally where would i be without it um question eight is what is what do you consider your greatest achievement um oh, look uh, career wise i mean i what i as a career i was all i ever wanted to do was to be able to make a living being funny you know so yeah. and that happened pretty although i was on the dole for a number of years actually hey hey it's saturday the uh, old tv show uh you know which i grew up with yeah. and probably did as well and um, your bit on that i remember yeah i did it a bit my first time on that show was back in 1997 i think so a long time ago and it was a bit about me being on the dole, which I was at the time. So, and I was on the dole for about five or six years trying to make a living as a comedian. So, and, and yeah, so, and the, that bit, I was actually, yeah, it was on the air the other night. They had a 50 year I anniversary know. and they played my bit. And uh, I knew there was, a, there's another bit that had been doing the rounds with me on Hey Hat Saturday and people were saying that's your first time on TV, but I knew it wasn't. Yeah, I knew yeah. I'd done another bit involving this routine about being on the dole, which I'd never seen. It's very hard to get any footage out of the, that company. They they hold on to it. So, but yeah. I knew there was a routine that hadn't seen the light of day since then, and they played it the other night on this reunion special, and that was it's funny. I saw it. I loved it, mate. It absolutely hit the mark. It was yeah. like it was what I'd be, it was what I'd you know it was the strongest bit I had at that point in my my fledgling stand up career, and I went on Hey Saturday. And, you know, first time on national television and it, it hit the mark and it was just a joyful moment for me. And, uh, yeah, it was probably one of my proudest achievements, to be honest, to be able to get on a TV show, I was probably 27 at the time, and just nail this, yeah. uh, this comedy routine and have people laugh. And you know what, they were, I was getting a lot of good feedback from it being on the other night. It's like 20, you know, 20. Five years later. But and also, so did that kind of break you as far as getting big rooms? Not and stuff? really. No. Right, okay. Not really, no, to be honest. And that was funny thing is you'd think you'd, I, I thought it was going to because it was like I smashed a spot on, you know, a, a TV show, which probably at the time had, a, you know, a metro audience of 1.5 oh, million yeah. or something. You know, it was back on huge audience was big. But um, not really. Uh, I certainly got more gigs, but not like audiences didn't sort of flow to me, which was, I meant to, and this is, I was on the dole doing a joke about being on the dole on TV. And I stayed on the dole, I reckon, for two years after that routine. <laughs> so <laughs> I was not go. making That's... big money. Right? So, but um, yeah, it was, only, it was a couple of years later, probably 99, where I started making proper money when audiences started to come and see me in particular. So, what I love about what I love about watching your career is, is how you transitioned. Uh, you, you, your persona was the guy who was on the doll and then they go well how's he going to do radio you know that's his persona he's going to be on the doll but you, you immediately yeah. segue straight into radio and you had opinions and you're able to be a broadcaster you know and it's it's um you've kind of been able to take the audience with you all the way which i think is is a great skill mate i always and which i've always said and people back then would say oh you know the joke i mean someone actually said it to me back then when i was doing that routine on the tv being on the doll i said 
what about when if you get rich and famous, you won't be able to talk about being on the dole? And I'm like, well, I'll, I'll cross that bridge when I come to it. So, um, uh, but, yeah, look, you know what? As I, people say you run out of material, but I, my constant, you know, retort to that is life will always be funny. Yeah. Life is funny for – life is – it's funny for everyone. No matter what situation you're in, life is absolutely ridiculous <laughs> and, and it will continue to be – and so all you have to do is see it. All you have to do is see the stupidity of life and, and that's your decision to continue to see it. And uh, so, yeah, there will always be something to laugh about. It, it always delivers. Um, yeah. Question nine, who would you want on your side in a battle and why? Uh, look, I, oh, I'm going to be a suck, I, but I will, I will take my wife at any point in time <laughs> because she's just, she's, she's someone who, her ego, she was able to control her ego really. I mean, I still have ego. Ego is still, is still my my biggest, you know, uh, my own ego has is, is caused all my misery in life. You know? so <laughs> yeah, me too. It's like you, you compare yourself to other people. You compare yourself to how you used to be. You compare yourself to how you want to be, you know. It's your own ego, which is always, uh, yeah, always caught, making me sad. And it's self-pity. It's just pathetic. But my wife is always... She's been in control of her ego and she's never really appeared to have an ego. And she's such a, just such a, yeah, she's a rock. Yeah, and absolutely. And we've got three kids who are the happiest kids you'll ever likely to see. And it's, you know, it's, a, it's to do with their mother and her ability just to just be present and also just to have a sunny disposition. So, yeah, I'll, I'll take her in a battle. One of my, the funniest moments I, I, of you on radio I think this is back in Nova. You you you're telling the story about you know romantic moment in bed. You and Holly staring into each other's eyes, and you think it's such a romantic moment. And then she goes, "What's going on with your breath?" <laughs> yeah, she used a term. I remember she used a term which was not romantic. What she called? It wasn't putrid, but it was it was oh god, what was the <laughs> term? I remember it was a. God, what was it? It was festy or something. Oh God, I, you reminded me of that. It was a, it was really not sexy. You know, I love all self-deprecation. It makes me feel better about myself. No, mate, it's the funniest stuff. And it's, you know, <laughs> people relate to it. You know, yeah. if you can be honest. If you can be honest with that stuff, it just yeah, it connects because you just you know we're all we're all as pathetic as each other basically. <laughs> so, and you know, and people being able to laugh at you, you know, the best thing about friends is they laugh at your troubles, you know. And yeah, so yeah, yeah. What I love is that people when people have a shit gig, they ring me to tell me about it because they know I'll laugh. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I love those war stories. Um, question ten, last question: What would you like your last words to be? Uh, yeah, last words to me. I was, uh, um, you know what? I, what I always think, and this is part also where I try to live in the moment, because we never know when it, when it's going to be all over. Do we? At any moment, you know, a fucking tree can fall on your car or whatever. Yeah. You have an aneurysm, or you can have a heart attack, or you know, it could be sudden. And I do not want my last thoughts to be me feeling sorry for myself. You know, <laughs> because. Someone else got a gig I wanted or <laughs> the ratings weren't good or, you know what I mean, or the ticket sales aren't good. So that's, that's why I always try to think I want my last, I want my last, you know what, I want my last action to be a laugh. I want to be laughing. Oh, that's beautiful. I want to laugh. That's great. That's really great. <laughs> 
Thank you so much for tuning in to 10 Questions. If you'd like to subscribe to us on Patreon, we're at 10 Questions with Adam Zwa, and that's where you can get the bonus content on every interview. Until next time, thanks for joining us.